You're listening to Producing with Purpose, an ethical business podcast with me, Tony Corrales. We'll be speaking to some of the greatest CEOs, creatives, founders, and entrepreneurs who have established and managed companies that put ethical practices at the forefront of their mission, all whilst navigating the challenges of the business world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the slightly over, well, well overdue episode 11 of Producing with Purpose. First off, apologies to anybody who was looking back for the show and didn't find it over the last three or four weeks. And also thank you to you for coming back to check it out and being interested in the show. So I suppose the first thing to cover off is why we are about four weeks late in releasing this episode. And the answer to that is in a way good news. And that is that the brand No Skin that I've co-founded is now live. So for anybody who's following the show, you'll know that this podcast is an arm of the work we do with No Skin, and we've been having some delays, and you know, really it's been a long period of time, it's been nine months since getting things started, that it's taken us to finally get live. So it's extremely exciting to have that up and running, but with that came some, you know, some pretty busy times, some pretty big challenges, and things just slowed down on the podcast front. So before I introduce today's guest, which is Alicia Lai, the founder of BeBoM, an amazing vegan footwear brand, I will just give a little bit of an update on No Skin, as I always do, and also some of my experience over this time of the last four weeks of getting things live. The whole purpose of this podcast is that either people who are interested in ethical businesses or people who founded their own or who want to found their own can get some insight into what it's actually like and not just for an ethical business but for starting a business in general and going on that entrepreneurial journey. So in the few weeks before No Skin went live I finished up my job my nine to five to then put my full efforts into working on the brand and also working on things like this podcast. Now I woke up on that first Monday morning which was just a couple of weeks before we did the full launch And I had this feeling that it was going to feel liberating, it was going to feel different, it was going to be exciting to now be working for myself and going on that journey. When in fact it actually felt quite overwhelming but in a bit of an unexpected way. I found myself just working and working and working which is is great and what I wanted to do. I wanted to put in that full time hustle and grind which you know we've talked about so much. But I felt I was doing it but without being very productive. I was making busy work for myself just so I could sit here and keep doing things and keep feeling like I was making progress when actually I was spinning my wheels. And I think I actually needed to take a little bit of a step back. And in hindsight, maybe what would have been really valuable was in between finishing my job and then going full time into my own brand and my own venture is to actually give myself a few days off. Maybe I should have taken a week off and actually let one thing end, one chapter finish before the next chapter started. Instead, I feel like I just, especially with working from home, I just sat at my desk one week working in my job and then on the next Monday morning, I sat on my desk and worked on the next thing and there wasn't this separation and I felt like I was still just tied in between two areas. So as that led into the launch, the launch was amazing and thank you so much to everybody who's been getting around it, who was sharing our posts, who was sharing our site, people who of course who have come on and bought stuff. It's really amazing and really surprising the amount of support and engagement we've seen in the first few weeks Um, but after that it was actually a conversation I had for this podcast with Jordan the founder of Boyish who talked a lot about the patience of the first 12 to 24 months and how it really does take time and fashion for things to build up 
And I think that was important for me to hear because I was just trying to make everything happen in the first two or three weeks. And of course, you've got to push as hard as you can and you want to see the progress and you want to see money coming in. You know, we desperately need cash flow. But it was just a good reminder that these things take time to build. It's not a race. You know, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we need to be a little bit more measured. And that is a great segue into today's conversation, which I had with Alicia. As I said, Alicia Lai is the founder of the vegan footwear brand BBOM, formerly Bourgeois Bohem, and they've been around for a long time. I've known about these guys for, for years. Um, they're some of the real pioneers in this space. So it was great to have a chat with Alicia. And I think with her years of experience in this space, she is very measured. She is very pragmatic and also very patient. So as you'll hear about in this episode, it's an interesting time to speak to her because the brand is actually on a hiatus from operating whilst they realign some of their vision, uh, do a little bit of rebranding and come back and be the brand that they really want to be to take it to new heights from 2022 onwards. So it's quite a big gap in operating, but it just shows that patience really is a virtue to making sure that you do things right. So again, a beautiful time to have this conversation, especially when I think I needed to get some of that patience and perspective. It was amazing to chat to Alicia, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so today on the show, we have Alicia from BBOM dialing in all the way from London, which is a nice treat as well to speak to someone from my um, home city, although I've just been told that I now sound very Australian. So um, maybe I'm a little further from that than I thought. But Alicia, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Great. Thank you, Tony, for having me. And yes, you do sound more Australian than I do. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing my research prior to this show, as I always do. um, And One of the first things that I just asked you about before we started speaking is, have you actually made a transition in the name? So I can see that you're going through a bit of a rebranding, relaunching process, but you've also changed the name along with that. So let's get stuck in. Tell us a little bit about what's happening um, in the last 12 months, really, to to cause this change. Sure. Um, So we were Bourgeois Bohème, and um, it's a bit of a mouthful of a name, and people can spell it and all sorts of different things. Um, But also, too, we reached a stage where um, I thought, okay, we need to sort of look look at the business as it is, um, make it a little bit maybe more let's say contemporary, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, easier to remember. And so we thought, okay, let's go through a rebrand in regards to the name um, and make it a little bit easier. So from Bourgeois Bohem to Be Bohem, we also wanted to pivot more into a fashion brand. I think, you know, we started a long time ago and, um, you know, we were like, oh, it's vegan, it's vegan, it's vegan, which obviously is, you know, it's a heart and soul of our business and that's the ethos of our business. But I think, you know, I may have focused on that too much, you know, and saying, yeah. okay, we actually actually need to look at ourselves as a fashion brand. And therefore, if we want to appeal, let's say, to a larger market, I mean, obviously, you're never going to get everybody. But if we're talking about conscious consumers um, and people, you know, in this day and age, a little bit more conscious about where things are coming from, then that had to be a more appealing sort of name really and branding and also to we wanted to um 
you know, come up with a little bit, um, yeah, just a little bit more contemporary, a little bit more fashionable, a little bit more relevant in that sense. And I suppose that's why we went through the transition of the rebranding. And we, you know, we, uh, you know, we're very loyal customer base that we have. We're a brand of choice in regards to vegan footwear. We have amazing customers. But it came to a point um, where I thought, okay, we needed to pivot the business in about 2009. And we had to overlook at sort of operations of what we were doing and revisit that. Also, to the businesses self-funded as well. Yeah. Um, so we need to look at some capital injection as well to bring it into the company, you know. And I think as you were very much saying with, you know, your brand, uh, you have three co-founders, um, whereas mm. I'm sort of very much on, on my own. And, yeah. uh, you know, and sometimes I think, you know, this might come down to later, but it's always good to have, you know, maybe co-founders with you, um, you know, to, to launch a business um, it is always a good thing. I think, yeah, I think that's definitely something that we've we've seen benefit on. Um, it, it also means that there's, you know, there's mm. more decision makers, but there's more ideas. There's, you know, more, more opportunity to get out and have the ideas to make money, but more ways to split the money. So there's, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to doing it. But I think, yeah. Yeah, you know, we've, we've also, I think it's been great as well with the co-founders that I've been able to start with that we all bring actually very different skill sets. And, you know, for, for anybody listening who goes into anything or is starting their business as well, you know, even if it is enticing to start with a co-founder who's a friend, if you both do the exact same thing, if you're both digital marketing specialists or you're both graphic designers, then you're actually just giving one job to two people as well. So it's always a challenge. So so what is the what is the brand looking like? And I suppose how long, because at the moment the site is the site is in a bit of a holding state. Um, so you're not actually taking active orders online. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So in um, 2019, um, you know, the decision was to made to seek funding. I mean, you know, with the, we were the brand of choice, you know, the sales were fine. Um, but, you know, there, there were things happening and I just needed to take a pause and we wanted to get some capital injection into the brand. Obviously, with COVID, um, we were aiming to seek funding sooner. But as with everything, it's sort of thrown spanner in the works. Uh, you know, I've had to go on, you know, from, uh, you know, working, in the company becoming a cook for the kids being a teacher <laughs> and everything else you know um all at once really so um you know it, you know and um so it, it wasn't a great uh, you know an easy decision but you know but we're now we're back on track now um we have you know going now starting to go out to look for funding to relaunch the brand so um if anyone wants to, you know, fund us, that'd be amazing. We, we've had other people on the show who have also mentioned that they're going into capital funding stages. So we do put a link in the show notes or an email address in the show notes because, I mean, it is an awesome opportunity as well. Hopefully somebody out there is listening who um who can take part in that as well. So just before we go back to what's coming next, is is it a, are you going into a capital raising stage? Is it, you know, something where you're, is this something you've done before? Have you offered up equity for capital before or have you always been self-funded? No. So we, we have always been a self-funded company. 
Um, you know, and I think when you first start a company and you're bootstrapping, et cetera, then really, you know, it is the only option. Um, and we did that um, for many years. And I think uh, it came to a point where, you know, I think don't, don't leave it too late, but uh, review, you know, uh, what you're doing. Look at the runway for the business. Obviously, cash flow is very important. It's king. And, um, you know, funding processes can take, you know, a minimum of six months, really. So it's, you know, and the, and it all depends on, you know, obviously the state of the business, um, revenue, et cetera, et cetera. That there's, you know, many, there's different ways that you can go for funding. Obviously, there's Kickstarters, there's equity crowdfunding, there's angel investors, and obviously VCs, et cetera. But obviously, you need to be, um, you know, have, you know, angel investing is probably the phase that we are at at the moment um, with the business. Cool. Well, good luck. And hopefully that that all comes together soon. So when is the when is the plan for things to go back online? And when you're going to be actively selling online again? We would hope next year, uh, but once again, it all depends on funding, really. You know, we have just started the um, process of the seeking funding. And as you know yourself with footwear production, it isn't the quickest, you know, turnaround, really. Um, so we need to ensure that we have the funding in place. I mean, we're, we're ready to rock and roll, really. You know, we have our suppliers and factories in Portugal that we've worked with. I've got an amazing designer. We have existing relationships with suppliers. So we aren't sort of a, a new brand launching. You know, we have lots of um, of our operations in place. It's a matter of, you know, hitting that button once we can get going and hopefully we can, um, yeah, launch for next year. Awesome. Yeah, I, I actually didn't realize it was going to be quite such a long break. So that's, you know, it's a real, um, that's a real pause to ramp back up, but also exciting because you've, you've learned some lessons, which we'll talk about shortly. And then, you know, you've, you've had some new ideas, you've got a new plan in place, and now you're taking your time to get that all scaled back up so that when you come back, you come back with force and then hopefully this is the this is the long haul after that point. So that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, you, you've taken the words <laughs> out of my mouth, really. Yes, <laughs> because this is, you know, this is, uh, we've really set back. We've learned lessons uh, from what we've done before, uh, have a clear vision of where we want to move forward. And, you know, this is, as you're saying, you know, the real deal. We just, you know, this is where we need to get, you know, the great funding um, that we can get injected into the business to really push it to the potential that I think it very much has, especially uh, as sustainability in fashion, veganism is on the rise. Uh, you know, the interest is rocketing up within, if anything positive comes out of COVID, you know, it's about people being a little bit more conscious about their decisions, you know, where are things coming from, the transparency of businesses, purpose behind businesses, etc. And I think that's something that's, um, you know, work, worked uh, in a positive light and something that um, hopefully, you know, we can leverage off as well. Absolutely. And one thing that I wondered then is while you're going through this transition stage is do you have, I know because you also sell in some stores around the world you know you have a bit of a distribution model and I know I heard on another podcast at one point you were talking about actually setting up in the US with a US site and for some US distribution so are you still selling in retail stores at the moment I suppose with stock that's still out there or have you pulled things back have you gone for a full kind of put a hold on the brand 
No. So what we've done, we've gone for a hold on the brand, really. So uh, one of the, you know, strategies that reasons behind the pause is looking at sort of our distribution strategy and how we can um, improve on that, really. So that that's sort of all part of this planning that we've had, uh, you know, through this uh, ex- un- unfortunate extended dormancy, but it, it's been a productive one. So, um, yeah, so currently if we met, there may be residual stock left in retail stores, uh, but currently, no, we're, we're not producing anything at this stage. That's, yeah, it's an interesting process. And for anybody who listened to a previous episode where I was speaking to Morella from Mech Studio, we talked about the importance of being confident and happy and pivoting your brand because for one reason, you might think that it's, you know, that's going to give you a better future and better longevity as a brand, but also because you want to remain passionate. You want to retain the same enjoyment that you got out of starting it in the first place. So taking this hiatus, getting everything ready is absolutely, you know, a great a great way to do it and to be able to be agile and nimble enough to do it in a business is also awesome exactly and i think that that's the positive thing about being a small business you know that we can be agile we can make the changes that we want to make um when you're looking at brands like h&m here in um england you know they've just released a range with cactus leather you know but it's you know it's a very small part of their of their whole range and i think that's the beauty of being a small business and co-founders like ourselves you know yes we need to have the confidence to make our decisions but we're able to make them we're able to be agile and we can move a lot quicker than you know big multi brands out there so um you know there's positives to to it yes absolutely uh that actually ties into a question that i had coming up later but let's jump into it now you speak about h&m now incorporating cactus leather um and you know, we are both in the vegan shoe business um, at different stages of the journey. But what what are your thoughts on non-vegan businesses, be it, you know, Adidas, New Balance, all of those, you know, footwear brands that are coming out and they're releasing their vegan ranges as well? How do you think that's going to affect a brand like BBOM? Um, do you, you know, do you support them doing that? What are your views on that? You know, no, you know, yes, I do support them. I think, you know, that in businesses, we just need to support each other, really, don't we? <laughs> There's no point trying to cut each other down. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, it depends. Once again, though, it depends on, you know, there's a lot of greenwashing happening out there as well. So you really need to look, you know, behind the brand and what, what, it, what are their drivers behind it. Um, and I think, you know, a brand like Adidas, I mean, they're doing amazing things in regards to Pali and, you know, the materials that they're using and, you know, um, partnering with Stella McCartney, etc. And I think as, as long as they are looking at it on a long term, you know, they're looking at, you know, the UN Sustainability Development Goals and, and looking at this long term in regards to being a sustainable business, and I think that is fine. Uh, you know, they are working very much in a different realm to what we were doing in regards to, let's say, sports shoes. But I think also to, you know, for small brands such as yours and mine um, that have been, well, mine, yours is nearly there, but, you know, mine that's been around for a while, you know, we've really built up a really loyal community. And I think, you know, people do like the purpose behind a brand. They do like to see the face behind a brand and the transparency behind it. And I think it's all about telling the story behind a brand that is very, very important. And and if you can show to people the passion and the purpose behind the brand and why I'm doing it, and I'm absolutely 
thrilled to be able to, you know, run a business based on my ethics as a vegan, as well as the sustainability. And it's actually a whole lifestyle for us. You know, it's not just footwear and it's not just food and it's just not a brand, but it's it's our whole life and we have a passion behind what we're doing. Then I think people can see that and they're happy to support the smaller brands. Um, so it's, you know, and and at the same time, you know, there, there are larger chains here in the UK that are releasing, you know, vegan footwear that you can buy for £25, you know, and you do tend to question that one you know, how can they charge such a small amount for them? But also, too, when you actually look at the materials that the footwear is being made from, they're not sustainable as they could be. And therefore, you know, for our product, we're looking at sustainability from the sole to the heel to the heel counter to the upper to the lace, you know, to everything, really. So I think if we can really shout out about the story and about what we're doing and a passion behind it, then I think, you know, brands like ours uh, will be just fine. Excellent. That's a great way to look at it. And I share a lot of those views as well. You know, I do support those brands bringing their vegan products to the market and taking, uh, you know, taking the right steps towards sustainability because let's be realistic them doing it is going to have more impact than us doing it at this stage um but as well there are a lot of people that still want to support the you know the smaller brands or the people that they can see behind the brand so completely on board with all of that as well um and that actually works towards answering you you started then answering another one of my questions um where you talk about how you created the community and the community and the loyal customers of your brand or what have really kept you going to this point. So one thing that I'm, you know, really interested in because we are for anybody listening about to release our first shoes, you know, we're really a couple of weeks away from having it live. No matter how many times I've said it's coming soon, it's coming soon, it's actually coming soon now, very soon. <laughs> um but of course, the the day that we open the digital doors so to speak, there is a question of it's like you know, is is anyone going to buy things on the first in the first couple of weeks? How did you actually go about making the start, opening the doors, and start getting those loyal customers? What was that process to actually start selling something? Uh, well, Anthony, sorry to disappoint. I'm not sure that I had. You know, I've got the answer. <laughs> But, but what it is, I suppose it is once again about, I think within the, yeah, sorry, within the sort of vegan, <laughs> veggie, sustainable community, it's a very, it's a very loyal community, you know, and I think that that's the positive, positive that we have, you know, we are not mass market, we're not selling to every man and his dog out there, you know, and I think within our our communities, I don't know if we can call them our communities, but I do, mm. um, you know, they really are supportive of brands that they feel are really following their passion and doing good for animals yeah. and the environment and et cetera. And I think it's just showing once again, uh, you know, tapping into sort of the vegan, the sustainable, the veggie communities. And it's a lot easier to find them really, whether it's digitally, the vegan society, you know, fashion revolution, um, when you're looking at the different aspects of what your product covers. Um, and I think as long as you're showing your transparency, once again, it goes back to it, you know, the transparency, the story, why we're doing the things, so they can see the passion behind it. But also to, you know, you have to have a product that you're able to sell, you know. Of course. Uh, yeah. You know, it has to be a beautiful product that has quality 
um, and it is amazing. You know, there's no point, you know, not to be rude, but producing a product that's just plain ugly, but, you know, it ticks every box, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think it, it's sort of covering all those, <laughs> covering all those aspects really um, of, you know, product, um, customer service, um, the message that you're trying to bring out, t- take out there as well. You know, we're not trying to ram veganism down everyone's throat and say you have to be vegan etc it's about talking and saying actually you know what there is there is a better options that are out there okay instead of this and this you have you know apple leather and you have um you know pinatex and you have recycled and biodegradable materials um and i think as long as you show that passion there you know i mean collaborations is always a good thing you know so i think um when you can either look at sort of digital collaborations with different brands within the same realm, it can be influencers or it could be um, people who are, gosh, I can't remember the word for it, but people who um, are experts with the industry and looking at how, you know, you can partner with them and introduce things. You know, everything is not such a hard sell. You know, as you're doing this podcast, I mean, this is amazing, you know, uh, writing blogs, um, being interviewed, um, you know, going on LinkedIn and, and talking about sustainability and veganism, etc. So that, you know, there's so many different routes that can be taken versus just the hard sell. And I think, you know, all of those together um, just show an individual, the brand owner plus the brand about who they're and what they're doing. And it's just, um, you know, uh, much easier and more transparent way to do it. That's excellent. And, you know, you say you started off saying you don't know that you have the answer, but then I think you gave me a 10 point to do list of very good actionable items. So there's a lot of value to take away in that. So whilst it may not be the, you know, it may not be an absolute definitive roadmap to make the millions, it's definitely enough to keep myself and anybody busy to keep, you know, to keep things ticking over on day one. So that, that is a great insight. Um, and I want to touch on something you said there, because it leads into my next discussion points about not producing, you know, you don't want to produce an ugly product, which, you know, absolutely, that's, that's the target. Let's hope people agree with our taste <laughs> to an extent. Um, so what does it actually look like for you? How many, do you, do you know off the top of your head, how many different, um, different styles of shoe you've actually produced in the time of running the brand? Oh my gosh. Okay. Gee, this, you should have asked me this before. Uh, let's think. Um, how many styles of shoes? I think we're very, I mean, you've always got the core ranges, you know, that people love Chelsea boots, Derby's, uh, knee high boot, ankle boot. Um, and then in the summer you're heading towards, you know, flat sandal, higher sandal, um, and a court shoe, etc. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think, gosh, I don't know how many styles, but it's really those main core, I suppose, that we're yeah. looking at. And then it's looking at how we can make that design and the style um, interesting, colourful and exciting, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think also to, you know, being a vegan, sustainable brand, it's not about producing, you know, a million different styles. That's that's not what we're, that's not what we're about. Yeah. It's more about, okay, saying this is – what the this is what the customer needs you know what do they need in a day you know and thinking about that and then how can we make that a more interesting offer for them um you know because when you're looking at the current fashion cycle that's out there you know when people are just producing you know the resort range and the spring summer range and the pre-launch range and oh my goodness <laughs> you know there's so many yeah. ranges that are 
released within a year. It's it's thinking more consciously about what's actually needed um, and looking at producing, you know, a certain minimum number. Obviously, with any business, you, you need to be profitable, but it's thinking about how we can do that more intentionally and how we can plan that better. And I'd Absolutely. rather sell out versus having, you know, two 2,000 pairs of shoes sitting in my um, it, you know, in, in the warehouse, because that's not going to do anything any be- any good. And you know, the fashion industry is the second most polluting industry in the world. You know, and that's something that we don't want to add to. And we are looking at more of a circular fashion brand about how we can make ourselves more circular as a brand. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's a big thing for us as well, is we want to get rid of some of that attitude towards seasonality. Of course, different clothes are going to suit different seasons. You know, you don't want to wear the chunky big boots in in the summer, Uh, maybe in an English summer. But, you know, it's um, but I think keeping keeping things a bit more refined is is important in the styles. And, you know, you opened up straight there with the core styles and you mentioned the Chelsea and that's a style that we've gone with because from everything that we've looked into and from everyone we've spoken to, that is a real staple that seems to do really well. Um, but just to give us a bit of a, a, I suppose, a bit of a warning sign to stop us going off piste anywhere. Are there any styles that you released where you have still got a big chunk of them just sitting in the warehouse and you it didn't go as well as you expected? <laughs> Actually, we don't have any left in the warehouse. But uh, oh, are there any doozies? Um, you know, I think one of the mistakes you know I've made before was I absolutely love this amazing Chelsea boot that was. Um, uh, anyway, it was more that I made a personal choice versus commercial choice. I think so. I think you know, and that's once again when you're talking about how you know you're not the fashion person. You've got that fashion person on board that's helping you, etc. I mean, you know, I did have my designer, etc., on board, but I think it's making conscious decision at actually saying, you know, does does my customer want this product? Does it appeal to them? You know, versus my personal thought of, oh, everyone would love this, but actually it was a bit of a doozy. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a pair of them, but, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think there's ways that, you know, you can, you can go and um, sometimes just, you know, send out a couple of images of shoes, you know, via Instagram or Facebook or your newsletter, um, you know, um, database and just say, hey, what do you think about this and this? You know, I think customer feedback is always amazing. And this is something that we've always done with our companies that we would always ask our customers, what would they like? What are they happy with or were they not happy with? And therefore, we're better able to um, produce and actually provide a customer service that these customers want from us absolutely and at the end of the day as well by doing that and you know obviously the goal of any business is to to release the product that the customer base actually wants and will will purchase but it's it's equally important for us on many levels one because we don't have the capital and the budget to be you know trying a product that's that's going to flop you know that's a big risk to have for a business like this but also because we don't want to add to that waste issue we don't want to have a couple of thousand shoes sitting in a warehouse somewhere which eventually are going to get thrown into landfill that's you know the biggest thing that we want to try and avoid exactly exactly and i think you know when we have found that we may have had you know some overstock that we weren't able to sell you know there always is that little bit then we would always look at how we could 
you know, give that away more sustainably. So we would give them to a charity where um, they're helping um, unemployed people who can't afford shoes and clothes. We would give them to an animal charity that they would be able to sell in their shop. So, that you know, for us it was very important um, to know where our product was and if it could then go ahead and help socially, environmentally, etc. cetera, then that was very important to us as well. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. And yeah, I think that's a really nice thing to have in your back pocket as well is for anything that is surplus or if anything comes through, you know, that there can be issues in something you receive and it's not quite right that you just consider as part of your circularity in your business of what's going to happen to that product and its end of life is really important as well. Um, so moving on then to a different section of things, um, what is your up you know up until obviously you put things on pause a little bit as well but what has been what has been some of your marketing strategies are you investing heavily into digital paid advertising are you going for more organic have you tried advertising in things like offline places like vegan magazines or anything like that what has been what has been some of those strategies for you uh we've i mean digital it, it has worked for us um print is not so much um I think uh, a great medium, you know, I suppose it's the usual, mar- you would know better being marketing, you know, they say you have to see something seven or nine times before it sort of hits you. Um, you know, we were given a great offer in the Metro, you know, newspaper once, you know, years ago. Um, we didn't pay a lot in the end because we thought we're not going to. Uh, and, you know, nothing came of that, you know. So I think it's very careful about looking at where your audience is, what do they read, what do they do. Um, so, yes, obviously digital is there. I mean, we built up our business a lot on word of mouth and referral and organic um, um, for us. I mean, Instagram is amazing. Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest um, are avenues that we've used. And once again, you know, going back to, as I said to you before, there's a lot of sort of non-paid stuff you could look at. It's, you know, it's collaborations, it's competitions, you could run fun polls. Um, you know, we did pop-up shops um, and, you know, retail collaborations and going to different vegan fairs and veggie and sustainable fairs. And, you know, looking at sort of all those sort of different routes um, to market. Yeah, awesome. And that that raises the question, actually. So something I wanted to touch on a little bit is your presence in retail stores, which I know you had some presence in globally and you had some um, items here in vegan style in Melbourne as well. Did you did you ever consider opening your own retail store? What you know, and if so, was there a thought process there that made you decide not to? And also, what has that process been like to get your product into retail stores? And have you actually seen that be a substantial part of your business? Um, it is something that we we could look at. Uh, you know, yes, you know, my absolute dream uh, would be to have, you know, a vegan footwear store together with a cafe with another vegan store, like a bit of vegan street, you know, that they call it in Berlin, you know, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, but once again, it's, I suppose it's the, it's the cost factor behind that. I'm not saying we never will, but it's, this is where it's all part of the long-term strategy and having the funds to be able to do that, which we never have been had. Um, and then, you know, in regards to retailers, I mean, the vegan veggie sustainable market is always very supportive of um, vegan brands, which is great. But once again, you know, this comes back to, I suppose, you what you might want to discuss this later. But, you know, it's about the pricing and the margins. And, you know, are we looking at, um, 
you know, wholesale as more of a marketing tool versus an actual sales tool. So this is where we need to, you know, crunch the figures and um, and then take it from there, really. Absolutely. And I suppose, how have you... So how have you met that um, that challenge of MOQs and things, especially in the beginning? And, you know, that's that's been something that's challenging for us to an extent on some some products. There are quite high MOQs or you can end up pay, paying some pretty heavy surcharges for going under. Um, did you have you gone down the route of let's just let's go for the high volume and take the chance on it? Or did you did you effectively suffer some of those surcharges and go into the lower MOQ? Yeah, we, we would go for the lower MOQs, really, um, you know, because there's no point, uh, it, it, you know, obviously also too, you know, it was our own money. <laughs> and also to, you know, to, to put and, you know, producing in Portugal, for us, it's very important to being in Europe, close to home, um, that we can visit the factories. I mean, I'm super proud to say every factory we um, work in, you know, I've visited, I've been there, I, I know everyone that, well, I wouldn't say everyone, but you know, I know people that are there. And no, so we would look at, and we would look at, um, once again, this goes back to, you know, there's no point having surplus stock, really. And also too, when we're looking at the type of product we're producing, it, it does cost, you know, it, it is a more costly product in regards to its cost prices. Obviously, we're we're looking at the more innovative materials. We're looking at biodegradable materials, recycled soles, um, tensile laces, and you know all these sustainable uppers, and they're not cheap. And also, too, for the workmanship that we're wanting, you know, we're not willing to compromise. So for us, you know, often, you know, people obviously say, oh, go wear vegan shoes, you know, more expensive. Why are sustainable products more expensive? And I think people have just got used to paying nothing. For fashion, you know, and, um, you know, if you can go to certain stores here and buy a pair of shoes for nine pounds a pair, uh, you know, I think people really need to think about who's paying for that pair of shoes, you know, I mean, what is the person who's making those shoes actually being paid? And obviously, you know, that goes back to Rana Plaza and Fashion Revolution, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think I've digressed, but no, we do, for us, it's more about, um, getting a good product that's great quality. Yes, you, we're going to have to pay the higher price point for it. Yes, um, you know, our MOQs aren't that bad, um, you know, in Portugal. Um, it's not thousands like it would be, let's say, in China, etc. cetera. Um, but that's, that's what we're willing to take. And, and once again, it's all about economies of scale. So if we can, you know, with the, with the new iteration of the business, you know, build it up and then we can actually produce a little bit more quantity, then, you know, we can look at our economies of scale there. But one thing is we would never compromise on quality, really, with what we're doing. And I think that's a that's a big part of the ethos of No Skin as well. And what we're starting is, you know, the the tagline of that being all quality, no, no sacrifice. That's effectively what we're what we're really going for. And exactly as you say, it's not so much that the the products we're making are are expensive. It's that the mass of what's in the market at the moment is very cheap, considering the effort that goes in. And I think you you know you may have experienced the same. But starting this business, be it the denim that we're producing or the shoes, I didn't realize just how much work and effort went into producing one garment or one pair of shoes. It is still a very manual process. There is still somebody stitching the pair of jeans by hand this is not a machine like you know when you're making a can of pringles or something this is a man-made handmade piece of um, piece of clothing 
And that should come with an appropriate price. And I think it's getting people to understand that, you know, paying £150 for a pair of shoes or something like that is what something that's going to last you many years should cost. Very much so. And I think, um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to name names here, but, you know, this is big company, big e-com company here that sells very cheap clothes and they're, you know, making millions of profit. And then they've found that, you know, they're actually not paying their workers in Leicester, in the UK. You know, it's crazy to think that in this day and age, you know, there's slave labor that's happening right here in the UK. So, and I think, you know, it's, you know, it, it came up in the media, but it's sort of come and gone. Um, and But, you know, it, it's things like this that I think need to be highlighted. And I think people don't understand that th- this still exists in this day and age, you know, where people aren't getting paid. And, um, yeah, and I think it's just the appreciation and just the, I don't like to say, re, I don't like to say education, but it's about, you know, the relearning and, and trying to talk to people about why certain things cost certain amounts and, and, um, and this, and this is what it is. And therefore, if we can do that in a positive light, um, and it's showing people that there's reasons behind what we're doing and it's not that it's, you know, just because it's expensive, um, it, it's, it's what actually a product costs to make. That's it. I, and that's something I've been, expressing even to to friends of mine when I've been talking about the production of clothing for this business is that when we when it comes to a pair of jeans for example the cost price that we pay for something that's recycled sustainable denim and is also a very well-made handmade product we're paying more for a cost price than some pairs of jeans are in the shop for you to buy off the shelf and that's you know there's a lot of steps that have happened in addition to you getting those there so that's yeah, it's a it's been an education mm. and that is the right word in my case for me even to understand just yeah. what's, you know, just what's involved. Um so taking a little bit of a taking a little of a side step back towards the marketing stuff, one thing I did want to touch on is that you've actually had a role of celebrity endorsements and that's contributed towards your business. And I think I've seen that Natalie Portman, um, you know, who is a pretty massive superstar in her own right, has also been an advocate for the brand and worn the brand. Um, so how did that come about for a start? Uh, it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's not like, oh, hi, Natalie, would you like to wear my boots? Or no. So I think, um, once again, it's about showing, you know, the brand, the quality, who you are, and you just got to plug away and, you know, you get the start, you know, you never talk to them really, you know, it's a stylist or, you know, um, recently we've been, um, uh, oh God, I can't think of my words, uh, approached by, you know, HBO TV series in America to make some vegan shoes for a celeb there. And I think, you know, it, it's not easy. You just sort of got to plug away um, and sort of find who the advocates are um, and and do it that way, really. And, and, and it's great, you know, that we've had people on board um, that have been willing, you know, that have worn our shoes and like them. And but yeah, it's it's no easy feat. No, absolutely, I can imagine. And you know, for a business of a smaller size as well, it's not like you can be seeding products left, right, and center and sending them out in their hundreds and thousands to try and get one taker. You have to be a bit selective, otherwise, you're very quickly going to wipe yourself out of business. It is, it is, and I think it is difficult, you know, because I think um, if I can be 
little bit naughty here and say, you know, a lot, a lot of, let's say, celebs or different people out there expect, you know, free gifting. And it's like, well, we're a tiny brand, you know, this costs us money, you know, and then they don't even mention you or etc. you know, but then there are amazing other celebs out there who will say, no, I'll pay for them. So it's different in the market, really, um, of what's happening out there. But I think, um, it's a matter of just finding, um, you know, the person or persons, you know, that, that are happy to work with you um, and do it that way. But once again, you know, it's not necessarily all about, you know, these huge followers and um, influencers, etc. who have huge followers. You know, it's more sometimes, you know, they say the micro um, influencers, etc. that have, you know, more of a, more of an impact than, let's say, than these larger guys, you know, and also people yeah. in areas of expertise, I think, you know, because their, their word is held a lot more in regard. Um, and I think that that's very, been very important for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that being the case. And I think, you know, influencer marketing has been absolutely huge in previous years, will continue to be so. But you know, when you follow these very large scale influencers on things like Instagram, is it it does then just, you know, they have now saturated the market with product placement and it just becomes like another way of seeing Instagram feed ads in a way and a hell of a lot more expensive. So, um, but hey, if a Kardashian wants to wear our boots, then they're more than welcome. (laughs) Why not, hey? (laughs) Exactly. So, just um, going into, I suppose, the back end of the conversation then and wrapping things up, um, for my for my benefit, because obviously there is the, the selfish element that I'm here to get as much guidance as I can from somebody who's walked this path <laughs> prior to me, um, what, what guidance would you give somebody in the first, let's say, 12 months or more than 12 months for actually getting to that break-even point in the business? Oh, I don't know if you get break-even in the first 12 months, but good luck. Um... <laughs> Hey, we've but, got to set. We've got to set the big goals. But I think one. one... <laughs> no, I'm not saying you can't do it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, it, I think you've got to set yourself realistic goals. You know, and um, look at your runway. Look at who, you know. Surround yourself with a great team, and it's it's plan, 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 really. And I think it's about looking at month by month, analyzing, looking at the sales, where are things working, where are they going. It's just really getting to that nitty gritty, really, and just following up all the analytics, etc., to see what's working, what isn't working, really. And um, and I think you know it's also to don't try and be perfect. That you know that's what I try and do too much is that I just want things absolutely perfect before I do anything. And actually, you know what? If if we wait for that day, it, it's never going to come really. And I think it's just okay. I've got this great idea. Run it past. Um, you know, go ahead and do it. Um, and you know, it, it may 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 not work. It may be amazing. But I think you know that we don't want to have that holding us back really and um and i think just go out there and shout about your business because if you're if you're not doing it who else is going to do it you know and i think it's just being a little bit uh what's the word um not unshameful but um just go out there and (laughs) and just tell everyone how how great the brand is this is who we are you know get into blogs interviews all sorts of different things you you just gotta you know (laughs) I was going to use a word there, but I better not. But, you know, just get out there, really. And, um, <laughs> I think and I know where you were going. Around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent. 
No, I and and that's it. And honestly, as well, that's that's a big part of the fun. That's the part that I'm looking forward to is getting, you know, getting onto other people's podcasts, getting into blogs, doing whatever I can, taking every opportunity, speaking to every person, and just doing whatever is possible, paid and unpaid, to make sure that at least in the first twelve months, even if people haven't bought something, they at least start to know we exist. That's the that's the first goal. Exactly. Yep. Perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> So as we come to wrap up now, I suppose my last question is what's in store for the next 12 months for you guys? But thinking as well, I suppose the next 12 months to reopen, but then the 12 months subsequent to that once you have reopened. And you've alluded to some new materials and so, you know, you've talked about some of those other biodegradable, recyclable elements. So what's on the plans for the products themselves? Um, and really from the rebranding, what can we look forward to seeing when you reopen in 2022? Well, that'll be telling you all our planning, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's but, the point. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll just have to wait and see. No. So I think once again, you know, we've always been a very sustainable eco brand, you know, um, and vegan, obviously. So obviously that's always going to be on the cards. But and so we just need to ensure once again that, that that's going to continue. We, uh, you know, looking at making sure we have a great, um, sorry, brand signature with lots of colour that's coming in, reducing down the range so it's more of a capsule range, um, so it's a lot more defined, um, so it's people a little bit more clear about what we have on offer. And um, and then and a few other exciting things I won't tell you about, but uh, <laughs> strategies in regards to what we have about our distribution strategy, about how we want to get our product out there. Um, but, yeah, but I think, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of hard work, really. I mean, the funding process is hideous. So if anyone is out there who's, um, you know, wanting to do it, don't wait too long. Just get out there and start doing it. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can get that going. Um, you know, we're looking at a lot more interesting, uh, much more sort of customer engaging messaging out there, you know, in regards to videos. Um, and, you know, if COVID has taught um, anything is that, you know, you don't have to necessarily be in person. You know, lots of things like you and I, you know, we're across the world you know, it's morning in Australia and night here in England and, and we can talk and things can be done. Um, and, it, you know, so it could be virtual fashion shows. It could be showing products online. It can be interviews, talking to people. Um, but, you know, lo lots of sort of fun, engaging things that we want to bring forward, um, you know, with the brand. Excellent. Well, I really look forward to seeing it. Um, you know, there's there's so many ideas. I can tell that you've, you're just brooming with ideas and possibilities for what the next year is going to be. So I'm excited to see what it looks like when it actually comes back online. Great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and lastly, then, before we finish up, no problem. Um, and before we finish up then, what in the next 12 months where the store isn't active and we can't necessarily go and purchase something, is there anything that listeners or I myself can do in the next 12 months to support you and get ready for when you do relaunch? Oh, thanks so much. Uh, well, I just shout out about us, really. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, I've been a little bit on the yeah. inactive side because I'm sort of doing everything at the moment. Uh, but, you know, I think it's about once uh, yeah. we're going to start getting a little bit more active in regards to our social media digitally, um, coming, you know, what, what, putting our ideas about there, about our plans moving forward, et cetera. And I suppose it's about just um, liking it, shouting out about it and sharing it really would be amazing. Thank you so much. 
No, of course. And yeah, so for anyone listening, as is always the case, if you head over to noskin.co slash podcast, then this will be the last um, entry that's been posted there. And then all of the links to the Instagram and to everything like that will be posted as well. So you can go and give BBOM a follow. Um, and until then, maybe we'll touch base again when you have relaunched in uh, 2022 and we can talk about that process and the relaunch and everything that's gone with that. Um, but until then, thanks very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure.